We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Hey, welcome back to the Babylon Singularity Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Herter. Today, we're going to answer the question, what is the beast? It's a big question. And it's a question that has been answered in one way for a very long time. And I am proposing that we rethink how we've answered that question and begin to think of it in a more biblically accurate way. I know, it sounds like I'm being all superior and stuff. Try not to be. I'm trying not to be. I'm just trying to phrase it in a way that would make sense. Like, hey, if we're not thinking about something biblically, we want to think about it biblically, right? That's that's the idea, is to take into account what Scripture says about something. And that is what I aim to do today. I want to answer the question, what is the beast in the most biblically accurate way? And I believe that the way we have been answering that question for a very long time has not been biblically accurate. I'll get into some of the details of why I believe that. So the question of what is the beast? What am I even talking about? Be- beast? What What beast? Okay, the... <laughs> yeah, you're listening to a podcast about Bible prophecy, right? This is a podcast that tackles eschatology, the things of the last day. So I'm assuming when I say the beast, you know I'm talking about Revelation chapter 13, right? And maybe, maybe I need to slow down just a bit, back up just a little bit in... The book of Revelation, there's a prophecy about a beast that will rise in the end times before Jesus returns. And this beast is the earthly manifestation of the devil. So the devil comes to earth. And I've talked about this in some of the previous uh, podcast episodes. So if you missed those, go ahead and get back into those because I answer these questions, these ideas. I tackle these concepts in detail in some previous episodes. So I encourage you to, to dig into that. But the beast arrives and the beast is the devil come to earth. He's waging his heavenly war that he was, that he was warring in heaven He's expelled out of heaven. He comes to earth and he does two things in Revelation 12 and uh, Revelation 13. He quells resistance. He goes to war with the saints. Because remember, the kingdom of God is Satan's greatest enemy. It is his greatest threat. And the first thing he does when his quote unquote metaphorical feet hit the ground is he makes war with the saints. He's, he's out to subdue and quell resistance. The second thing he does 
is he onboards the fallen with the help of the false prophet, who in previous episodes I mentioned is actually the Antichrist, the false messiah who points humanity away from their creator and betrays them into the hands of the beast, who is Satan. So it's the partnership of the corporate head of the demonic, Satan, partnered together with the corporate head of fallen humanity, the Antichrist or the false prophet. And these two together making up well, I should say three, with the dragon, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, make the demonic trinity, right? Again, I tackled those issues in previous episodes. So if you want to learn more about those issues and why, why do I think the false prophet is the Antichrist? A very good question. I tackle that in previous episodes. So I encourage you, again, check those episodes out. Today, I want to focus in on what is this beast that rises. Traditionally, that question has been answered. And this is, this is the answer that you will literally find in your, the footnotes of your Bible. If, <laughs> if your Bible has footnotes on Revelation 13, there's a very good chance that just automatically it is assumed without question, without thought, that the seven-headed beast is the Antichrist. That is the Hollywood take on what the beast is. So when you talk about the Revelation 13 beast, immediately what comes to mind is, well, this is the Antichrist, right? This is the, this is the man of sin. This is Satan in the flesh, right? This is Satan come to earth as a man. I'm talking about the conventional understanding of the seven-headed beast. I'm talking about this is how we have traditionally answered the question, what is the beast? I'm going to get into why this is very problematic biblically in just a minute. But right now, I'm just tackling how we have answered this question. What is the beast? Well, the, the beast is the Antichrist. It is Satan come to earth as a human being, as a man. We know him as the Antichrist. Uh, Paul calls him the man of sin. Different titles for him. The little horn, right, from Daniel chapter 7. And this man is uh, basically kind of the opposite of Jesus, and he wants to be worshipped as God, blah, 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 blah. You get, you get it. If you don't know what the traditional understanding of the, the, the answer to the question of what is the beast, I encourage you, go read the Left Behind series. <laughs> you should do that. You should go read the Left Behind series. Um, I, why is that funny? I don't know. I just, it's just funny. I think it's funny because Kirk Cameron was in the Left Behind movies. And whenever I think of Left Behind, I think of Kirk Cameron, who's a fantastic brother. But I can't escape. Like, when I, when I see Mark Hamill, I immediately think Luke Skywalker. When I see Kirk Cameron, I immediately think growing pains. I mean, he was pretty cool back in the, I mean, that, that was right in my strike zone. That hit right when I was growing up. So like Kirk Cameron was my man in growing pains. So just to see him in left behind, it just, it, it, it threw me off a little bit. So that's why I laughed. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with left behind series. Absolutely. Buy it, read it. 
and that will give you a very good idea of the traditional understanding of who the beast is, right? It, the beast is, um, what's his name? Like Nikolai, it's some like Nikolai Karkarkarkov or something. <laughs> Nikolai something. I don't know. You should read the book. Find out who the beast is there, and that'll give you a very good idea of what the conventional understanding of who the be- what what the beast is. The beast is a man named Nikolai something or another off, and uh, and he's here to rule the world, and he's here to wreak some havoc. And then the, the only question is, is hey, when does the rapture occur? Does the rapture occur? Of course, in the Left Behind series, the whole series is premised on the church being raptured before it happens, and then all the fallout that happens after the church is raptured. Uh, is that a spoiler? Did I just? That's not. A, it's not a. You can't call it a spoiler when this name of the series is left behind. Like you've got to know that that's in there, right? All right. So I hope I didn't spoil it for anybody. Point being, how have we traditionally answered the question? What is the beast? The beast is a man. It's the Antichrist. It's a guy. It's a dude. The beast is a dude. That's the answer. Now, that answer, I just kind of trusted people, and I think a lot of people just trust people like, yeah, okay, that makes sense, I guess. It doesn't really make that much sense because there's a lot of places where, like, it can't really be a dude. Like, like so, like, one of its heads is wounded, like, like we, we, like, and, um, and so, like, one of its heads is wounded, and then that's the Antichrist. Oh, so it's not it's not that the the beast is a man. It's it's no, it's so then the fallback immediately like it takes like it takes like one question for people to go, no, 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 it's not it's not a dude. Okay, so the beast is not a dude. So like almost immediately, as soon as you push on that answer, just for a second, in the most elementary way, I mean it doesn't even it doesn't even take a hard push. It just takes the lightest tap on it, and people immediately have to recoil to another position, and they because they realize, well, wait a second, there's seven heads on on this beast, and then on top of those seven heads, there's actually ten horns. So, uh, so sorry, it's not a man. No, no, it's something other than okay. So it's not a man. Then what is? So then what's the the next fallback position? Is is it's a a system, right? It, uh, a generic, um, vague term that that allows us to kind of interchangeably um, apply the meaning of what the 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 answer to that question in various scenarios. Meaning, like, well, sometimes the beast is a man. Sometimes the beast is a series of kings. Sometimes the beast is an empire. Sometimes the beast is there, there's like there's probably like five or six different things that the beast turns into. And so the answer, you know, what is the beast? Well, it's a man quickly turns into the, no, no, not a man. What we mean by a man is it's a system. Okay, because because when you as soon as you say a system, that can mean anything, right? Like if if uh, like if <laughs> it'd be a great answer. Like if you're just like I don't know, like didn't know what the answer was, and you just said, yeah, it's kind of like a system, you know. 
because you can't really, you can't really, you can't really nail anything down when you say it's a system because hey, it's a system. Like it's whatever. Basically, when we say it's a system, it's whatever we need it to be in whatever scenario we need it to be. Now, that being said, I understand. Like, I'm not making fun of that position because, like, I totally understand why folks have thought this way for a very long time. Like, I get it. It totally makes sense. There's you totally have, and uh, frankly, you can continue to think however you want to think. I'm not here to like change how you're thinking. I'm here to declare the truth of the word of God and then let it land on you. And you decide like, hey, do I trust the truth of God's word? Or do I like just go to the footnotes and go, hey, well, it's in my footnotes. I, I can't stand against the footnotes that are in my Bible. I mean, some dude wrote those footnotes and... I just I just feel more comfortable, you know, trusting some dude that wrote the footnotes. That is totally your call. Your call if you want to like trust scripture or trust your footnotes. That's it's it's up to you. Um my my point is this. Up until I mean, and I'll, I'll forgive me because I'm I'm this is relatively new to me. So I wouldn't even say exactly at what point this is becoming more obvious. But up until now, we haven't had a very good word or theoretical concept to understand what the beast is. Because the beast does show up in different ways. And honestly, a system is kind of, kind of, if you're just going to go with like a general explanation of, of what the beast is, a system's like not a bad start. Where it goes wrong is where we say it's a system, but it's primarily a man. Like it's primarily a man and a system. When it doesn't work out being a man, then that's when we fall back into a system. That's where, that's where it gets murky. That's where it gets weird. That's where it gets unsustainable. That's where it gets unbiblical. So now we can understand some of these concepts that are clearly laid out, very plainly laid out, and we can actually give a better explanation to the question, what is the beast now? Because we can actually understand some of the, it's, it's crazy, but God was describing realities that we wouldn't really even understand were even possible until right about now, the 21st century. We didn't understand, like these things were hidden, not just from the mind of John, who is seeing the beast, um, you know, in, in, a, in a God-given vision describing the, uh, the end of the age before Jesus would return. It wasn't just hidden from John's mind. It was hidden from the minds of men for thousands of years until we get to this point and we come upon the threshold of a new age, a new period of time that actually unlocks what these prophecies are actually about. What is it that actually unlocks it? What is this new age? What is this, this uh, threshold that we're going to cross that actually will make 
better sense of the concepts in play, we're entering into the age of artificial intelligence. We're entering into a period of time when we can network minds together and those minds or those centers of intelligence can function as a unit. We can take 10 different minds, we can network them together, and we can have them function as in unity, as one entity, right? And so now that we actually understand that, oh, wow, we can actually network things together, and we can actually network them in such a way that they function as a unity, as one entity, that now very much changes the conversation about what is the beast. Because those things that were a real problem just a you know, few years ago where we couldn't even conceive of networking minds together, networking uh, putting a, a network of intelligence together that would function as one unit, as one entity, was unthinkable not many years ago. And, so, and, and, and then, of course, unfortunately, not always, not, not always, but a lot of times Christians are behind the curve about what is possible technologically. Just because, you know, you know we're, we, we got other concerns, and we should. We should be preaching the gospel, serving the poor, loving people in the name of Jesus, and serving God. We should actually, absolutely be doing that, but we uh, lose track of some of these things that are happening in the world. And so we can bubble up in our own world and go like, ah, that's just, you know, science fiction, artificial intelligence. We don't have to worry about that. You know, it's, it's, it's a problem for somebody else. It's, it's overblown, blah, 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 blah. The reality is we get out of touch where it's actually heading and we get out of touch the, with the reality behind it. And now we're trying to stick to an old model and continue to give the old answer to these questions that deserve new thought and rethinking in the age of AI. We are leaning, heading across this threshold into a new world, a new age. And if we can just consider where this world is heading, we can get fresh insight on what the beast is. And that is what I'm hoping to do today. So I framed it by saying the question, what is the beast? I have answered that question how we've historically answered it by saying it's a man. Of course, that answer doesn't hold up for very long. So very quickly, they, uh, the answer falls to, it's a system, but primarily a man. When it doesn't work out being a man, then it's some, some sort of system of men and empires and whatever else. And my answer to that is, it is time for us to rethink what is the beast 
in biblical light. Because the reality is the old answer does not hold water. The old answer to what is the beast is the beast is a he. It's a person. Person, yay, system. Just drop the system for a second. We're just going to go for the the person uh, part of the equation right now. That it is a human being. There is no evidence in the Bible that the seven-headed beast is a human being. None. Zero. Zip. I know I, you know, it pains me to like burst a bubble that has been like in existence for like a really long time. But let me say it again clearly. There is zero biblical support, biblical evidence that the beast is a human being. So the answer that we have given to what is the beast is the beast is a he. But that is not the answer the Bible gives. The Bible gives the answer, the beast is an it. The beast is an it. It's a thing. It's not a he. There is nowhere in the Bible that you can find that will say the beast is a man, a he. I'll stand by that. Been standing by that for a while now. Haven't had a, a single issue with that stance. Now, maybe some podcast at some point I'll, I'll get into and, and really like defend the, the position against the, the most devastating, uh, you know, opposition, which is, which isn't devastating at all. I mean, it's, it's, I, I have yet, I have yet to, to encounter anything that's even remotely worrisome on that position. But I can tell you that I, the position that the beast is an it is a very strong, biblically uh, positioned very strongly in Bible, in the Bible, in Scripture. It's very clear the beast again and again is only an it, and the false prophet is a he. That's the man part. That's the Antichrist part. That's why it says John goes out of his way to label the beast an it and label the false prophet a he. Now, I don't want to spend too much time because that, that could actually eat up an entire episode, that one point. I just want to get into the question of, okay, you, you know, you're saying the beast is an it. Explain to us what the beast is. If it's an it, fine. We'll give you that for a minute. Tell us then what it is. We'll get to that on the next episode. Just kidding. Nah, I wouldn't do that to you. Come on now. I'm, this, is my, this is my big moment. I got to stretch it out just a little bit. The beast is an it. What is it then? 
What is it? To answer the question, what is the beast? We have to look at the beast in its two primary components. The beast has two primary components involved to it, in it with it. The f- there is the seven heads and there is the ten. There are the ten horns, all right? So seven heads on one side. So I'm trying to build the, I'm trying to whiteboard this in your mind, okay? So we have the beast comes out of the sea. What constitutes the beast? What is it? It is composed of two primary realities. The seven heads, right? We can all visualize seven heads. Now that's one side of of the component. The other side of the components are the 10 horns. Okay. So on the whiteboard of your mind, you've got the beast, seven heads, 10 horns. Let's begin with the easy part. The easy part We can find the answer to the easy part in Revelation chapter 17. It's very simple, very simple. Revelation chapter 17 explains exactly what the ten horns are. The ten horns in verse 12. So go ahead, open your Bible. Revelation chapter 17. Verse 12, the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind. They hand over their power and authority to the beast. So the first component of the beast. This is the easy part. I'm I'm starting with the easy part. It's very clear the 10 horns are 10 kings that operate with one mind. Okay? So these 10 kings, these are these are human beings that have been given governmental authority, and I've talked about this in a previous episode, the SPQR episode. This panel of kings is the Senate, right? These are those who are endued with that carry the authority and the will of, I'm just going to call them the Roman people or the people of this final empire, the citizens of this final global empire, these 10 kings are representatives of the will of the people. Like the Senate was the, uh, the, the governing body of ancient Rome, right? Go, just a real quick recap of that SPQR. SPQR is that acronym that symbolizes the Roman Empire. What is SPQR? It is the Senate and people of Rome. So in the the Roman Empire was governed by the Senate and people of Rome. So the 
people of Rome, the governmental authority of Rome rested in its citizens and the Senate represented the will of the people. So the will of the people is repre- rests in this governing body of 10 kings. It's the Senate. It is 10 human beings who have networked their minds together and have one mind. Now, a few years ago, we'd say, that's impossible. How does 10 individual people operate with one mind? Well, a few years ago, that was impossible. But now, through technology, through potentially the mark of the beast technology, the ability to telepathically join minds together through technology so that they operate as one is absolutely conceivable, is absolutely a reality in the coming years. See, in the age of artificial intelligence, these things are becoming possible. What was once unthinkable is now becoming possible. These prophecies from thousands of years ago describing realities that we couldn't even imagine up until just recently are now becoming reality. So what are the ten horns? The ten horns are the human component of the beast. The beast consists of two components. The first component of the beast is human. It is ten human beings that have networked their intelligence, their minds together to operate with one mind. That is one side. So go back to the whiteboard of your mind. You have the beast, seven heads, ten horns. Break off the beast into two components. The first component, the heading of the first component is human. This is the human component. This is the Senate of, of, we'll call it transhuman Rome. This is the final empire. This isn't, I'm not talking about ancient Rome here. I'm borrowing on ancient Rome. I'm borrowing on how ancient Rome was governed to project into the future of how the final empire will be governed. And it will be governed, the final empire, which I'm calling transhuman Rome, this final expression of iron mixed together with clay, transhuman Rome. I don't know what it's going to actually be called. I believe it's going to be based in Dubai. I believe Dubai is rising up to be the Babylon, the great that rises up in the end times but I digress. I don't know what it's going to be called. So right now I'm just calling it transhuman Romes because I want to capture the idea of melding human with machine, iron and clay. It is the feet of the Daniel 2 statue. Right? And this is the Senate, the human component of the beast is 10 kings with networked intelligence operating with one mind, 
Okay, so that's one component of the beast. That is the human side. That, of course, was the easy side. To get into the difficult side, we're going to need to back up just a little bit because this is where <sighs> things get interesting. And I'm going, you know, I was just razzing people about using <laughs> using a term like system uh, because it's vague. <laughs> and I'm about to use something that's vague. So I'm calling myself out. And you know what? If you really want to call me out on something, please, you know, do me a favor and leave a review on this where you're listening to this podcast. Leave a review. Tell me how mixed up I am. Straighten me out, please. I'd love it. Um, yeah, reviews are really helpful to me. So if you could do that for me, if you're blessed, if you like what you're hearing, you want to hear more. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I'm hoping you do. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I don't know if you're enjoying what I'm doing. And if you leave me a review, I'll know you're enjoying what I'm doing. Then I'll want to do it more. Right. So win, win. Um, so to understand, so we've, so we've got the beast. We've, We've broken up the beast into two components. There's seven heads, ten horns. We've tackled the ten horns, the human side. Okay, now whiteboard of your mind, we're going to break down the seven heads. We know what the ten horns are. That's simple. What are the seven heads? The seven heads, are you ready for it? Are the unhuman side of the of the equation. There's a human side and there is an unhuman side. So under the whiteboard, we've got the two broad topics. What is the beast? The beast is an it. What is it? It consists of 10 horns, which are 10 kings who have networked their intelligence together to function with one mind that serves as the Senate or the governing, the, the representation of the citizens of transhuman Rome. This is the body. This is the Senate of the final empire. And it rests in the hands of 10 men who have networked their intelligence together as one and function as a unity in the beast. So that's the human side. Now we're going over onto the other side. This is the non-human or the, uh, let's call it non-human rather than unhuman. Unhuman, I don't even know if that's a word. Is that even a word, unhuman? Let's use non-human. So we have two sides, very simple. We have the human side of it, and we have the non-human side. Now, what is the non-human side? The non-human side is the seven heads. So we have, again, a networked intelligence that functions as a unity or as one entity. So we have two primary networked intelligence or net, uh, intelligence networks, I should say. We have the human networked intelligence and we have the non-human networked intelligence. The seven heads, the seven heads 
are non-human. These are not human. These are not human brains. These are non-human. So what does the Bible tell us about this beast? The seven heads, the non-human side of it. Well, to understand what the Bible says about the non-human side, we've got to back up to Daniel chapter 7. The prophecy when Daniel sees this beast that rises up in the end times that will be destroyed at the return of Jesus. We'll just go ahead and read it really quick. This is Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. Lord, open your word to us. We look to you. Make it clear to us. Verse 7, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth and devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all of the other beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of them of the first horns were plucked by the roots, and behold, in, his horn, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, a mouth speaking great things. Okay, so we know Daniel sees this fourth beast, right? This is the fourth and final beast that will reign, that will rule human beings, that will rule as an empire before Jesus returns. Jesus said, or Daniel says a couple things about this beast. Here he says, it's terrifying, dreadful, exceedingly strong, and it has great iron teeth. Right? Daniel also mentions the ten horns that are on it, which Daniel also um, ex- explains that these are ten kings. So the vision is the same. Daniel is seeing the same thing that John is seeing. He's seeing a beast with, set, with ten horns on it. And he, and he says, hey, the ten horns are ten kings. So that is that part of the equation is very much settled. So when we say the beast with the horns on it, we know one component of the beast is human. And John explains that those humans are networked together to function as one. Okay? Now... When now just just real quick, the little horn that Daniel sees is the same as the second beast that John sees with the lamb horns, right? The little horn that Daniel sees is the lamb horn that John sees. It's very simple. It's a one-to-one ratio. There are three components that Daniel sees. He sees a beast. He sees 10 horns, and he sees a little horn. John sees three components. He sees a beast, he sees 10 horns, and he sees a beast with little horns. So it's a one-to-one. We don't need, there's no need to go, yeah, wow, you know, these these two visions are so different. You know, my goodness, you know, I don't know, this false prophet guy, who who even knows where he is? He's not, you can't even find him in the, I'm, I'm I'm getting sidetracked. Let me finish. Can't even find him anywhere else, but hey, you know what? The Antichrist needs a sidekick, so let's go ahead and throw him in there. Like, that is so woefully inadequate. 
that explanation is woefully inadequate to what God is describing here. And to hold to the Bible, we need to understand that what Daniel saw is the same reality that John saw. He saw a beast, which is the non-human side. He saw the 10 kings that were part of the beast that are the human side. And then he sees a little horn, which is the same human that John sees with lamb horns, right? The false savior, the false messiah. The little horn is the false prophet. The false prophet is the antichrist, right? So done. Back to the non-human side of the beast. What is the non-human side? The first thing we can say about the non-human side is it's metal. Its teeth are made out of iron. Let's see. And Let's see, if you, if you fast forward to verse 19, Daniel says, I desire to know the truth of the fourth beast, talking about the fourth beast, which was different from the rest, exceedingly terrifying, its teeth of iron and claws of bronze. So the, so the beast that Daniel sees here is made out of metal. Its teeth are iron and its claws are bronze. So the non-human side of the beast is metallic. It's technological. Now, who makes things that are made out of metal? Did, did God make things that were made out of metal? Did, we, did Adam show up and, and, and God says, you know what? Look over there in the ground. Uh, I have some shovels that are growing up like trees. Go ahead and, and use those because I thought you would need them. Right? Did, did God fashion anything out of metal? Did, he, did God make you know, robot dogs? Of course not. We all know God didn't make stuff out of metal. He makes things biologically. right? The, the things that God makes are made out of basically dirt and air and, you know, water. You know, the, these, God doesn't fashion things out of, out of metal. He, he, he puts the metal in the earth and he says, you guys figure it out. <laughs> you know, you guys dig your mines and melt it down and, and fashion it and make it into swords and guns and, and buildings, make metal. There's plenty of metal in the earth. Figure it out. You figure it out. God does, God does not fashion things out of metal. And he certainly is not making this fourth beast, right? So the non-human side in Daniel chapter 7 is metallic. It is technological. So we know it's not God-made. It's man-made. So even though it's not human, the beast is not human. It, we know that it is made by humans. It's made out of metal. So that's what we learn from Daniel chapter 7, that the non-human side of the beast is made out of metal. It is technological. So that's the first thing we learn. Okay, then you fast forward now to Revelation chapter 13, 
What else do we learn about the non-human side of the beast? Revelation chapter 13. John says, I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. So the beast, Daniel doesn't describe a beast with seven heads. Daniel sees a metallic technological beast. So we know that the non-human side of the beast is man-made. It's technological. John, the revelation that John sees is that the beast has seven heads. So the non-human technological component of the beast it has a networked intelligence similar to the ten horns, right? So we saw that the ten horns, the ten kings network their intelligence together to function as a single entity. And we see that the seven heads, the non-human technological man-made heads of the beast function the same way. These seven heads, these technological man-made heads, function as a networked intelligence that functions as a single unity. And what is what does John describe this? He doesn't use the technological language that Dan, he doesn't. John has a different revelation of this beast. John's not seeing that this beast is made out of metal. He's seeing that it's 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 like he says it's like a leopard. The beast that he sees, this non-human. If we take Daniel's revelation, we say it's non-human technological. We take John's revelation and we say it is networked intelligence. And John says it's like a leopard. So what we have here is a man-made creation that serves as the apex predator of all of creation. We... Our human race, we all know and love, and we preach the gospel too so that they might be saved, build a technological monstrosity with networked intelligence, non-human intelligence, networked together to single to form a single entity. And this entity is a an apex predator. That's what we create. A leopard. A leopard is arguably the most efficient killing machine in the jungle because it mixes speed 
lethality with intelligence. A leopard is not as strong as a lion or, or a tiger, but it's faster. And it's smarter. A leopard is dangerous because it's so smart and it's so lethal. A lion's not going to hunt you down and decide where the best place to attack you. If a lion attacks you, you're probably going to see it coming. If a tiger attacks you, you know, you might see because a tiger is so well hidden, but you're never going to see a leopard attack you. Never. When a leopard attacks you, it is on you because it has been hunting you and it has found the perfect place to attack you and you had no idea it was there. So humanity creates this technological apex predator and we try to put a leash on it. At the end of the day, the non-human technological monstrosity that Daniel sees, that John prophesies about, is controlled by these ten horns, the human senate that carries the will of the people. So this non-human side, this apex predator, technological monstrosity functions the same way as the Roman consul would function. You see, the, the Roman consul, to get back into the SPQR, the way the Roman Empire and, would work and the way this final empire will work is the authority to decide will rest in the citizens that authority will funnel down into a senate of 10 kings that will carry the will of the people and represent the will of the people. And this apex predator technological monstrosity will execute the will of the people the same way the Roman consul would execute the will of ancient Romans. Let me say that one more time because I'm not sure if that's totally clear. Just to take the picture from ancient Rome. Okay, the ancient Romans, let's just say you and I are Roman citizens. We decide, hey, we want to go to war with Gaul. We want to go into France and, you know, kick some Gaul butt. So, hey, let's tell our senators that's what we want to do. We want to go, you know, pillage, get some treasure. We want, we want, you know, we want their land. We want, you know, everything. So let's go, let's go make war against Gaul, right? So you and I go, we talk to our senators. Our senators go, okay, we're going to bring that up. So then the, so our will is funneled into our senators. It, it's, it's much like how, how republics work today. I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm explaining anything new. It's, it's our will being, 
handed over to the Senate to represent our will, right? And then the Senate goes in ancient Rome, goes, they discuss what they want to do. And then when the Senate votes and decides, yeah, we are going to make war against Gaul, then all of Roman authority falls into the hands of two men, right? All of Rome, all of its power, all of its authority to do what it wants to do falls into the hands of two men. These two men were called the Roman consul. The Roman consul was not there to decide what was supposed to happen to the Roman people. The Roman people were there to tell the Roman consul what to do. The Roman consul was an executive power. The consul didn't decide what would happen. The consul brought to pass the will of the Roman people. And so that's what we see happening here in this final empire. Same reality. So in transhuman Rome, let's just say you and I are in transhuman Rome, and we decide, let's just say, just to be sci-fi about it, like, hey, we want to launch... You know, we want to launch a rocket to chase uh, an asteroid that's coming, coming across with a bunch of metals in it. We want to pull those metals out of the space. We want to mine those metals and make a ton of money. So you and I decide we're going to go. And so we represent, let's say we got, you know, we got smartphones and we, we contact our, the, this Senate, this, these 10 kings. Hey, we want to go after that asteroid that's coming into our solar system so we can get the metals out, right? You and I, a bunch of people decide. The Senate goes in and says, okay, yeah, we're going to bring it up. The, the Senate has a meeting. They basically operate as one mind, Right, And they go like, yeah, this is a good idea that we send a rocket ship after this asteroid so we can get the metals out. The Senate decides what, the, what transhuman Rome wants, and then their one-mindedness together with this executive power that we have created from our own hands, we say, bring this to pass. And the seven-headed beast is the executive power. The seven-headed beast doesn't tell Rome what to do. It brings to pass what Rome wants. The seven-headed beast functionally is the executive power of transhuman Rome, this final empire. And together, so you have this non-human technological apex predator that functions as a unity is tethered, tied, leashed up by the 10 kings, right? The 10 kings, the 10 kings function as the governing body. So that the, the best picture I can, I can like, it's like, it's like the movie King Kong. Remember the movie King Kong, the ancient, the old one that was like black and white. Where like they find King Kong, like oh my goodness, like they they fall into King Kong's footprints, and like there's a there's a giant there's a giant ape out here, right? Like this is amazing. So they 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 find you know they find the ape, and they're like, man, what we really needed to do is bring that ape back to New York City, and put him in a cage so that people can look at him, because you know hey you know what's better than us having an ape in New York City? which is all fine and great until King Kong breaks out of the cage and, you know, stomps New York City into smithereens, climbs a building, gets shot at by, by airplanes, yada, yada, yada. 
It's the same kind of scenario where you, we have an apex predator and we network ourselves into it to keep control of it only to ultimately hand over our power because eventually it says the 10 kings hand over their power to this non-human technological monstrosity to, in order to go to war with the lamb. So the executive power turns into a dictatorial power at the end. So we find King Kong. In fact, we make King Kong. In this scenario, we're going to make King Kong. King Kong has seven heads that networked together creates the ultimate apex predator that can bring all of the world under its power. It functions as a single entity, but it is leashed. It functions as an executive extension of the citizens of the final empire. And together, all together, it creates a single unity, the will of the people and this non-human executive power functions as a single unity, which again is difficult to conceive until we understand that this is exactly what guys like Elon Musk are calling for. They're calling for the quote-unquote democratization of artificial intelligence. They want to democratize AI. They want AI to be made out of us. They want to tie it all together. They don't want a rogue AI. They don't, they don't want to bring King Kong into New York without making sure that King Kong is under our power because they know King Kong can wreck New York. So they're like, yeah, we're bringing King Kong to rule the world, but don't worry, we're going to network ourselves into it so that it cannot exist without us. That is how we will put King Kong in a cage. And so when folks are talking about the great need to democratize AI, that we need to make sure that humans are part of artificial intelligence, you need to understand that networking humans together along with an artificial technological monstrosity that we make of our own hands to be an apex predator is exactly what they're talking about. And this is, I believe, and I present this before you, the answer to what is the beast. The beast is not a he. The beast is an it. It is the merging together of the human and non-human. The combination of human intelligence and non-human intelligence that networked together functions as a single entity.
This is what they're talking about, the singularity. This is what when people talk about super intelligence, a godlike intelligence that can rule the world. This is exactly what they're talking about. And when you understand this Bible prophecy in these terms, all of a sudden, all of those problems of saying, yeah, this is the Antichrist. Yeah, uh, not really the Antichrist, but really it's a system. Really it's whatever we want it to be in whatever context. Like, like all of a sudden that perspective begins to look very silly. Very silly. I don't care if it's in your footnotes. The footnotes need to change. We need to take the Bible for what it says. And we need to hold to the most biblically accurate understanding of scripture. I understand, like, I, like, again, I'm not blaming anyone for not understanding how this could have worked. But now that we can understand how this works, we need to rethink how we understand Bible prophecy, or we're not going to understand why people are talking about super intelligent AI. We're not going to understand why people are talking about the need to democratize AI. We're going to fall right into the delusion with everyone else. And we're going to be standing around waiting for an Adolf Hitler guy who isn't coming. We need to wake up. We need to align with the word of God. We need to be watching for what the, God, what the Bible says is coming. We need to be praying to join with God's redemptive purpose, his kingdom purpose in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And we need to be proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus, this Jesus who will return and destroy every human empire and establish his kingdom forever. Saints, if you are enjoying this podcast, if this podcast means something to you, if it's helping you, I need you to help me. Please, I'm asking you, speak up. I know the Lord has called you a very, for, to live in this moment. You are here on the earth in this hour for a very specific reason. Jesus has you here. And I want to link arms with you. I just, just, I just encourage you to... To, to leave a review on the podcast, um, you know, whatever. I'm not telling you even to say it's good. Tell me it's terrible. Let me know you're listening. Let me know you're listening. Let me know it's a blessing to you. It's, it's a very big encouragement to know that you're out there, you're hearing me, and I can just keep ratcheting this thing up because I, I believe it's important. I don't know. If there's somebody else saying this stuff right now out there, like I want to get behind them. I want to link arms with them. I want to point other people to them. I'm not hearing what I'm saying anywhere else. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. But in any case, thanks for listening. I really appreciate you. That concludes this episode of Babylon Singularity. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're looking to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter as well as my website, BabylonSingularity.com. I've also authored a book titled Babylon available on Amazon. I look forward to hearing any thoughts or feedback, comments that you may have to help me make this show better. I do hope it's a blessing to you, and I hope that you'll tune in next time to Babylon 
singularity.